first met I was just a young skinny punk Then I put on a voice for Uncle Frankie You might have thought I was drunk And I might have got you sworn in When I got Sharon Moonstruck and possible culinary uh, fight club members and possible truffle enthusiasts and possible pig enthusiasts listening. People with Blue Lives Matter stickers on their cars. Too political. Uh, But this does take place in Portland, notorious uh, overrun by Antifa, no cops city. So what, what podcast is this? Um, this is the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> no, uh, this is the Good, the Pod, and the Ugly, Cage Uncaged, your favorite Nicolas Cage podcast. Welcome, listeners. I'm Jack. I'm Ken, and this and week... And I'm Thomas. This week, uh, we have changed the name because of the movie we're covering. This week, it's the Good, the Pig, and the Ugly. Uh, we Ooh, are, that's good. We are covering a brand new movie for the first time since we started this podcast. And not the last time. Unless one of us dies tragically before uh, Cry Macho comes out. Yeah. Well, Clint Eastwood might die tragically before Cry Macho comes out. Well, he's pretty old, so it might not be that tragic. He's 90. Well, no, it wouldn't be tragic. Unless it was a car wreck or a surfing accident. Oh, an assassination. Well, they can bloody well try. I don't think he'd go for that. He's a badass. Anyway, we saw Pig. Yeah, we saw Pig. In movie theaters. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy, right? Because we're kind of wrapping up this... Uh, podcast with the sense of um, I mean I think Colorado Space was one of the last films that we guys had seen before the quarantine it was the last one I saw and then this week I watched two films in the theaters what what, what was the second one wait let me guess he just told us he just told us it it was off mic though it was the 70 millimeter tenant yeah at the Hollywood theater I can't wait to get the 140 millimeter frame but yeah for right now i'll settle for the 70 millimeter and yeah. pig at regal cinema which is crazy right is it to to be able to watch a cage film in movie theaters and not just a art house movie theater but a, a oh, national chain try an amc theater in a fucking shopping mall that's where we saw it that is right. insane and part of it might have to do that it was filmed in portland um uh, no, it's, it got nationwide, it's got nationwide release. Yeah? Yeah. I was looking it up, uh, home state of Texas, and yeah, it, it's a uh, nationwide distribution. That's crazy. Well, maybe people's appetites for, for movies has changed since the pandemic, and Their it'll appetites. be a minor success. Because <laughs> the movie's about cooking. Yes. If you haven't seen it. Yes. Uh, Thomas, did you want to so uh, give a non-spoiler synopsis of the movie for yeah, people who haven't I seen thought- it? I thought we would ease into uh, talking about the film just because, I mean, spoiler, there's a pig in it. And there are, uh, 
it's mentioned a lot in the film is right I, I, you know i hate that whenever this man has to like really shoehorn in the title all the time uh what are we Kate some kind of suicide squad <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah uh guys any any favorite pig movies for you any favorite pig movies for me come um, on die like, hard like ooh, the james wood film <laughs> um well the, obviously yeah. the babe movies that's what i was thinking but i haven't seen those so i can't officially recommend well, you, so you, this film, even though it's called Pig, the pig isn't on screen for all that long. Um, so, well, no spoilers, but as you see from the trailer, the pig gets abducted. Um, so I think there, I mean, I don't know on screen time, but Unforgiven has a pig, right? Mm. It has a couple pigs, some other hogs, actually. Yeah. The yeah. Of the film. Uh, there's Beyond the Thunderdome. Five pigs? pigs no, I, don't, I don't care about that movie. What? Uh, it's a the, Mad Max. Uh, it sucks. It's the least of the Mad mm. Max. It's like uh, slightly the Thunderdome stuff. Max. <laughs> the, the Thunderdome stuff is really cool, but the rest of the movie sucks. Oh, those those kids, and then that that oh, train. So at the annoying. End? What's the deal with the train? How unexpected. Has like is... it has Spielbergian music, the swelling strings and stuff when they're on the train. It's so dumb. Yeah, definitely well, least essential. What about the Hannibal movie then? Other that, pigs in the Hannibal movie? Yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. He feeds he feeds people to the the hogs. Oh, okay. Spirited away. Oh, okay. Spirited away. Her mom gets turned into pigs and spirited away. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, and uh, Willow as well. People's people gets turned into pigs uh, by the evil sorceress. Okay. Uh, Porco Rosso. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Secret of the Ooze. Uh, the Simpsons movie. <laughs> the Simpsons. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a classic. Oh, Under the Dome. Yeah. What's the that? Stephen King book. Yeah, it's the same plot. Oh, the Simpsons right. movie. Right. It's the same plot. There's a I, no, I know. Okay. I know it's the same plot. Okay. But like Spider Pig, I think. Oh. That's what we were. Oh, yeah. Then oh, you would from... also have the Spider-Verse then as well. So there's oh, another yeah. Cage connection. John, isn't it John? John Mulaney. Mulaney yeah. does the voice for Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham. Yeah, that's right. It's great. It's a good movie. And then you have Noir, uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, um, voiced by Cage. So I guess there's, we got there. We're back to a Cage film. Okay. Sig, which we saw in theaters this weekend. Uh, apparently during the filming of Pig, which took 20 days of shooting uh, in wow. Portland, Oregon, um, the pig had bit Cage multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't radioactive. It didn't turn him into uh, a spider pig or anything cool like that. But I was thinking that for as much as the pig is on on screen, that was a pretty belligerent pig to be able to bite him that many times, especially if they only shot for twenty days. Yeah. Well, the I think the pig was cast because it is uh, a completely adorable pig. It's so cute um, with its little little floppy hair. Aww. Adorable pig. So yeah. they they probably cast it sight uh, or. Um, Without doing a, a casting session, just with to buy headshots. Yeah. Yes, yes, they have all the yeah. glamour shots of all these different truffle pigs, and they're like, "That's the girl." Yeah, that's a Mulan Drive reference. Um, apparently, they wanted a little trivia: uh, Harvey Keitel in that Adam Arkin role um, as Amir's dad. So that would mean that you would have two bad lieutenants or a national treasure. That would, <laughs> that would have been, been good casting. That would have been awesome. Arkin's pretty good, but Keitel. 
That would have been and dynamite. this is the uh, if we're keeping track of um, connections to other films, this would be the second Cage film where he steals a bike, yells at somebody, and rides away. That's true. Wicker Man. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of Wicker Man, I was looking at uh, the Instagram of Neon, the uh, the uh, distributor. D- For, mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And uh, Alex Wolf and Nicholas Cage were on the story answering questions. Um, and apparently, there's a piano on set. And since Alex Wolf is, you know, bit of a young prodigy, actor, director, writer, and can play the piano apparently i hate him he would like be making up songs on set and stuff during the downtime but apparently he thinks he's a big fan of the wicker man and he thinks the line how to get burned is hilarious so he was constantly putting it in song lyrics and (laughs) bringing it up whenever he could around Nicolas cage who did not think it was very funny (laughs) so this one this movie doesn't have um a car crash but it has some car kicks right yeah, not quite the same. No. Yeah. It, it is damage um, to a car, though. Okay. It I'm going to count it. That's <laughs> uh, it's, it's tough. Um, the um, Yeah, usually we do a, li- uh, a little bit of a, like a pun run on some of the people in, and we talk about the other podcasts they were in, but this is the first time uh, Michael Sadowski uh, has... Uh, directed a feature-length film, and he's the writer along with Vanessa Block. It gets a story by credit, but I can't find anything else that she's done. Uh, Michael Sosnowski did a bunch of television, it looks like, and a, sh- a show called um, Olympia, which I am unfamiliar with. Olympia? Uh-huh. Okay. Like the beer? Or the city? But the city? Hmm. No, you're thinking of yeah. Olympus. <laughs> So it, yeah, I don't have any podcast titles. What what else? What else did he do? I, I did not. I did not look anything up on him because I just kind of. I... Yeah, it looks like uh, in the early twenty teens he did some television stuff, and so yeah, this is uh, his premiere film. Hmm. Uh, I, you, I, and then, mm-hmm. you mean by TV stuff that he was uh, a director of a TV show, a writer, director, an executive yeah, producer, it's, creator? It yeah, it seems like he is a writer and director for Olympia. Okay. And uh, maybe one other show, as I recall. Okay. I, I might have to hunt that down. That sounds like it might be interesting. Yeah, you might have to sniff it out. Snort, snort it out. Yeah. <laughs> snort it up. Sniff that out, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I did, but you guys saw it a uh, different night than I did. Um, your experience might have been a little bit different. I saw it in uh, 4DX. Did you guys get a chance to to do that? Nope. Uh, uh, I, I would suggest if you get a chance to watch it, um, it really brings out... You guys familiar with 4DX, the technology? No. I don't know if they have that up there in, in Washington. <laughs> Tell us about it. 4DX is an immersive experience. Uh, it is developed out of a South Korean cinema chain, C, uh, CJ... CGV and includes seats with motion, wind, strobe lights, simulated uh, snow, rain, and smell. And so you could really, you really get the like the sewer smells uh, mm-hmm. during the Fight Club scene and, and the mushroom. Um, you get the real fragrance of a lot of the food that they're cooking. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a very strange film because at one at many points you you just want to vomit, but at other times, extremely hungry. 
Well, what about so Nicolas Cage in this movie plays a hermit, and early on, um, Amir, played by Alex Wolf, tells him, uh, asks him about getting a, a portable shower for him. So yeah. he spends the rest no. of the movie getting more and more disgusting. Does the 40x does it have his smell, or is that it, is the bad stuff it left out? D- no, it doesn't. But if you invite uh, somebody off the street <laughs> to come watch a movie with you. You can get something very similar, especially if you don't wear your mask throughout the film. Interesting. Yeah. So, as we said, it was made in Portland, um, and very it, it made me very nostalgic because shortly after this movie was filmed, um, it, Portland was overrun with Antifa, and it's rubble now. Uh, so, anybody yeah. listening, <laughs> thinking of moving or visiting Portland, um, Pig is pretty much the last time it looked like that because it's pretty much gone now. Yeah, whatever you do, do not come here. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's a lot like beyond the thunderdome here yeah but with less um little kids well no there's a lot of little kids less tina turner maybe yeah we could use no master tina blaster <laughs> um but original uh, drafts of the script according to imdb had this set in france and spain before landing on makes sense Portland, that Oregon. that makes a lot of sense yeah. I think so, yeah. So, uh, I guess a quick synopsis, because um, sometimes as we go through these plot, go through the plot, um, we go on tangents, and so it gets lost a little bit. Uh, the story of Pig 2021 release is uh, that of a retired Special Forces cook, Robin Feld, played by Nicolas Cage, who has retrained a bomb-sniffing dog with PTSD as a truffle hunter and lover. <laughs> Uh, this loving couple are wandering as vagabonds. Uh, they're kind of through, like, this war shattered. Their minds are kind of gone. They're drifters. They pass through Hope, Washington, where some yokel cops who don't like long-haired pig fuckers <laughs> shave Nicholas Cage character, and uh, this causes them to have a bunch of flashbacks. Uh, he goes off into the forest. Uh, there's state police and Washington National Guard coming after him. And it is basically, not to give too much away, a um, a critique of uh, what war can do to a human being and how we have uh, not given the sufficient um, psychological help to our veterans. That's really good. Powerful message. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Or it's a quicker synopsis, if that's too long for you. It's the journey of a man who finally has the courage to listen to his wife's demo tape. <laughs> spoilers yeah but seriously it's more like if you can imagine um eight millimeter kind of for like the first half but if cage was joe instead of uh his character in eight millimeter that's and right Joaqu- yeah um and alex and Wolf Joaquin is phoenix, phoenix is played by the kid who kills his sister in hereditary spoilers well okay it was an accident it was oh is that where i saw him before Probably, unless you went to see opening in theaters, probably not yet, but soon, uh, M. Night uh, Shalamanian's old. Old? Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know what the, you know what the of, twist is about? There's probably going to be aliens, right? I think it's a turnstile with um, some type of temporal pincer movement. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, uh Pig, everybody, everybody, I've probably seen the trailer of Pig. I mean, he plays a hermit. Recluse has a pig who finds truffles. Alex Wolf plays a young hotshot from the big city who drives a Ferrari and buys truffles. And then one night, uh, 
his beloved pig is kidnapped and Cage goes back to the city that he left years ago um, to find it along with Amir. Amir? Amir. Amir. Not Amir, because if he had Amir, he'd clean up a little bit because (laughs) he is quite dirty and quite, um, yeah. You might say that the best thing about this movie is Cage's costume and makeup plus hairstyling. I would agree. That's one. Uh, so, uh, be, do you before, think he doesn't have a mirror because he doesn't have a reflection? Is this just? Oh, that's right. He dies at the end of Vampire's Kiss. Never mind. <laughs> All right. So, so before we go any further, I, I just want to. Add, I'm dying to know what you guys thought of this movie. So, Jack, what did you think? I was very disappointed. Uh, I think it. I think it was marketed. Well, I wouldn't blame the marketing, but I would say that everyone, everything that I'd heard about it said that it was John Wick, but with a pig. And that's not really what I was expecting because the trailers made it look super dour and art housey. Um, but I definitely don't think it really had any emotional power or anything. It was just kind of bland. Um, but it's very well directed and. There are some really interesting ideas in it that I wish were expanded upon a little more, maybe. But it was okay. Okay, Thomas, what did you think? Uh, I think that there's maybe two halves of this movie, and I really enjoy the second half of the film. And I wish... And uh, and I have a few notes, but I, I wish uh, it led more to that second half of, of the film. Mm. The latter half, which I think is a stronger movie. Hmm. And ha- and I think the first half plays off of what you were just talking about a little bit there, Jack. Where yeah. uh, I think this is a phenomenal Cage performance. Yeah. Uh, but I think that a lot of what this film I enjoyed about it uh, is that it didn't. It played off of Cage's persona and his previous recent work, right? I mean, the meme Cage to be able to have the effect that it actually does. Yeah. And Ken. Yes. What did I think of it? Yes. Um, other than uh, the cinematography, which I thought they turned the lights down way too low. Um, I, I love this movie. It f- was, uh, I, thinking about it, it, it felt like a, a really well-observed short story. And, and it, it's, it's a relatively small story. Um, and I thought it was earnestly acted, directed. And um, yeah, Cage's performance, probably my favorite of the recent cages since Joe. Um, I still yeah. prefer Joe as a performance. Um, but I, I liked its its simplicity. It's it's kind of nice to have a movie that doesn't have doesn't feel like it has to be everything. It tells a relatively well, you say small that, story. But I think the first half of it does want to try and do a lot more than what it actually is able to do. Or be well okay, so how about this? Um would it be cool with you guys if uh oh uh I guess the fourth person that we're not talking to right now is the guy uh, in the front of the theater who started snoring about 10 minutes into the film. And I kept waiting for somebody because I'm not used to people seeing movies necessarily by themselves, but for somebody to wake him up Mm -hmm. uh, did not happen for the first hour. And hopefully the person did wake up eventually. They might still loud, loud snoring. Uh, A fellow... A fellow cinema lover with narcolepsy slash fatal insomnia. (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, I, let's, uh, if it's okay with you guys, go deeper into the plot so that people can jump ahead towards the end if they want any spoilers. Uh, we yeah. Put the marker down. We'll, and yeah, then, we'll mark it. Uh, be able to, um, yeah, get a little bit deeper into uh, Cage's performance at the end. And then also, uh, I guess, what the positives and the negatives on this film, like we normally do. Okay, let's do it. And then I don't know if you guys uh, saw it on your previews, but Cage is seems to be pretty hot right now because there's a, they're making a uh, I guess a prequel to some of the GI Joe movies called Snake Eyes. Yep. But I didn't I couldn't tell if he was in it or not. Let's hope so. <laughs> he plays yeah he plays the uh, titular Snake the, Eyes the ninja yeah, yeah. Uh, okay um that should give us enough time Wait. for people flip ahead. I guess that's why they call it Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins, because there's already a Snake Eyes. So they can't just call it Snake Eyes, because there's already a movie called Snake Eyes. I don't know. Eyes. There's a, there's another na- movie called Pig that was shot for like $300,000, which is a pretty small horror movie. Um, I think I saw that when I was trying to look up reviews for this one. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, the poster came up a couple times. <laughs> I have to remember the one. So my first reaction, like watching this film, is there were too many production companies. Uh, I think that that's a good sniff test. If you get more than three production company titles up, you should. It's it might not be a good film. And so I, I got real concerned at the very start of this film. Really, whenever. that that's a marker for you that it's not a good film, or just yeah. I a, think I think it has a, an opportunity. It an international international co-production that that's the only way that, they could cobble together a, a budget was to get a bunch of different people. Yeah, that the budget has to be cobbled together, I think, can often be a, a great concern to me. Okay. How um, else do these small movies get made? I I do not know. A single uh, funder? Uh, Saturn Films, which is Cage's production company, of course, invested in it, which yeah. I think you can kind of take that one off of the, of the list. I think there were five, to, six total production companies involved with this and distribution and production. Okay. So, yeah, we start off part one. We get title cards in this, right? We will end oh up having three God. title cards. Wild Mushroom's in, Heart. Threw up in the theater in my giant bucket of popcorn that was already empty. I fucking hated the t- That's the worst thing about this movie. Talking about the costume being the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, the title cards sucked. You think so? So stupid. It's made me like physically angry. Style, yeah, but it's a nice slow, uh, quiet start, right? You so start no, with wait, Cage. wait, wait a second, wait a second. What, you what, movie did we, what movie did we watch last week that had fucking title cards? That's one of your favorite movies of all time. Mandy. And now you're saying that you hate them? Well, that's because when the title cards came in with Mandy. Uh, it was clearly supposed to be ridiculous because it was the Shadow Mountains 1983 AD in big sparkly letters. This was like quiet little text that you'd see in Portland on, you know, that f- ugly, stupid, minimalist font. Okay, so you're not, you're not Maybe against title cards. No, 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 no. You're against these I, title I'm cards. saying I'm against okay. these specific ones. Okay. And having the different parts being named after. So fucking stupid. Salted Baguette Cafe or whatever the third one was. Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I heard <laughs> a bottle and a salted baguette. Yeah. yeah. Dumb. It, it made me... So hungry. wild mushroom tart is how we start this uh, delicious course of Cage film. Uh, with Cage washing a, a pan and he eats some mud and he's hanging out with his pig and some <laughs> truffles. Great opening. Uh, yeah. I was on board for Very quiet. the opening, yeah. 
And then um, Amir uh, shows up. Amir shows up, and then I start to get a little concerned again, like with the credit with the uh, title cards, right, or the production company cards, um, <laughs> because he's driving like a red Camaro and he's listening to classical music instruction CD or education CD on on classical music. I'm like, well, automatically we know we're not supposed to. It's uh, it's a little forced, right? No, I thought that was pretty funny, actually. It's a good running gag because it comes up again. Yeah. Um, and everybody knows, because this is Alex Wolf playing Amir, everybody knows that wolves and pigs don't get along from the fairy tales. Ooh, okay. And the pig doesn't really like uh, this flashy kid from the city. But he's there to exchange groceries for truffles. And those groceries will include some batteries that uh, Cage will put into a um, boombox to be able to listen to a tape. And the tape is labeled for Robin. And it's not from Batman, but from his wife. And who's no longer with us. Who's no longer with him. We Clearly, only because see, his, shack, his shack does need a woman's touch. Yeah, his shack has two beds, fortunately. I, I don't know if that's like for like code, in, uh, the movie uh, authority code. Where you have to sleep in separate beds, but uh, his pig has a, has a bed and he has a bed. And yeah, it's a one room shack out in the middle, kind of nowhere. Nice place to live. I really wish that there are actually places like that near Portland that were viable to, that are viable to live in. Because further out you go, just construction, construction, construction. I'm telling you. And, and the rubble from Antifa. Yes, when they blew up yes. the city, the yeah. rubble went pretty far. Yeah, but you're talking about the, the the suburbs, not the cool part. That's gone. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. Just like clarifying butter when you're making <laughs> a meal. So that um, we 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 don't really get a sense of geography of how far from the city he is. Well, I, I think it's, normal it's drivable. People, yeah, I think normal people, though, will look at this and think that maybe there is lots of wooded area around Portland, which there is, I'm not complaining, but um, I, it's pretty funny watching a movie like this that's set in Portland as a native Portland suburb dweller, because nothing about it besides where they actually are is, like, real, and I thought that was really great. It has that mythic... That mythic city could be anywhere. Yeah, uh, you know what? Something else that occurred to me after I watched this movie is that um, if, if it were in in Finnish or Icelandic, and it was one of those Nordic movies, and instead of Cage, it was one of those old actors you've never heard of or seen of, um, it it had the same feel and pace of of one of those oh, somber that's Nordic true. character pieces, right? And it, yeah, it wouldn't be a surprise to see some old guy who gets an Oscar nomination. You never hear from him again. And yeah. listen to the podcast of those Icelandic people talking about how that's not really what I don't know what, what Reykjavik really is like. <laughs> right. <laughs> they just keep, keep building out the, all the suburbs. Um, so yeah, you get like you get a sense that Cage is kind of in the middle of nowhere, and and Mira does express like. Uh, Hey, what happened? Like, can I get you uh, a propane-powered shower, some heated shower? Because obviously he smells bad and he's off on his own. But he only comes in once a week, and he's like, "Dude, you could die out here." Like, let me get you a phone. Let me get you something. Um, and Cage has no interest in that. Um, Cage, who will come to know, is named 
uh, Robin Feld. Um, so yeah, he uh, makes a, makes a meal, shares with the pig. They're going to bed at night. He sticks the knife in a chopping block, right? <laughs> and that's like the start of the kind of where the I would say the preview uh, comes in or the movie trailer comes in, because there's that. There's the coyotes. And uh, you have the pig get nervous at night. Cage goes and opens the door and he gets hit. And he, he falls and he tries to get back up and he gets hit again. And he can't really see who his assailant is. But he'll wake up with this sticky face that you see in the, uh, in the trailer. Uh, Pretty gruesome. Somewhat stuck to the floor, right? Yeah, that corn syrup just sticks to the floor. Yeah, the American diet. It's killer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he'll, he'll eventually pull himself up and go to the diner at some diner in town. Like he, uh, he tries to get his truck started. The truck dies. I, at, I uh, love that, that single, the single shot of him and his truck starting it and then it going for a bit and then ka-chunk, 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 it dies. Um, I've been in old vehicles and that's exactly how it works. It's like, oh, it starts and it's running. It's going to be fine. But then once stuff gets through the, the lines, I don't know how cars work. Then it always breaks down. I do. It's the car. The car is a car. Very good. Brakes. So yeah, yeah. Exhaust, fuel line. Yep. Carburetor. Uh, if you want to know more about cars <laughs> and Jack's, uh, <laughs> uh, encyclopedic knowledge of them, uh, to our Red Rock West episode where he explains what Cage does to be able to get uh, away from um, his pursuer <laughs> by taking out spark plugs. That's right. That? Yes. yes. That's yeah. correct. And then Dennis Hopper apparently has spare spark plugs in his trunk. Well, if I can fix them, anyone can. <laughs> yeah, he probably just uh, MacGyvered that, like Jack could. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he goes at uh, Robin, played by Cage, goes into what I guess might be like Sandy, Oregon, or some other uh-huh. uh, smaller town, walks into uh, a bar, and he asks for somebody. I can't remember the name, but... What he hears back is that person's been dead for 10 years. And all of a sudden kind of hits you as a viewer, right? Like how long this has been going on, like how long he's been out there and how disconnected he is. Uh, he asks if he could use the phone and the woman asks if he's going to buy anything. And Cage says no. And he has, his, he has these great deliveries. Like he speaks less in this than I think he does in like opening uh, voiceover for a lot of films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he could, if he did a word count, maybe he speaks less in this than he does in that opening of Lord of War or Bringing Out the Dead. Like he he does not talk much. He is a or tight-lipped badass. In the f- the first sixty minutes of Snake Eyes probably has three times the amount of dialogue that he has in this movie, completely total. Yeah, he talks a lot. The opening of Snake Eyes, he does. Um, But yes, he uses the phone to call Amir, who picks him up, and he's still listening to that classical music CD, learning about harmonies and um, vibrato or whatever he's listening and and learning. Uh, And then you get to go to Portland. Uh, Very nice. But before then, we have to stop in and look for his pig around like the local area, right? Yeah. So you get Gretchen Corbin, who's a Portland board actress, did a lot of TV, including the Rockford Files, uh, who Amir has been selling to. They go, and I still haven't seen Hibbley Elegy. I know you guys love the film, but <laughs> one of the in the in the title uh, in the credits, 
Uh, one of these characters is called Tweaker, and the other one's called Tweakat. <laughs> Very and good. I, I don't know. I don't think that that's appropriate. That's uh, pretty funny. That's, that's pretty funny. But apparently they stole the pig. And they and you, gave it to some guy. So th- this was the scene where I realized that th- this wasn't going to be a, a violent revenge movie. Because when he goes in there, you think these are the people who took his pig and he's he's going to brace them. He's going to grab them, slap them around, whatever dudes do in revenge movies. And he doesn't. He just kind of sits down and, and he wants to know what they did with it. Um, zero physicality t- or threatening, uh, which was kind of a surprise yeah. of my expectations. But then it, I also settled in knowing that this is not going to be that movie, I guess. So um, I, yeah, I wasn't convinced yet. Like I thought he was a um, just because he's not uh, bench pressing a uh, exotic dancer or stripper doesn't mean that he's not a he can't beat somebody like uh, beat Michael Rappaport up in a, a house of pain in a trailer. That's that's like, a, thought, a reference to Moonstruck. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, cause he, he is in this film hulking, right? Especially when he's standing next to uh wolf who plays a mirror. Yeah. Or, tiny guy. or as we'll get to later when he's underneath the Portland hotel, like he is, he's a big guy. Like, uh, in this film, he is maybe even on apple carts or something just to make him even larger than life. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd be but, threatened by him. It's pretty scary. Yeah, so yeah, that's what it seemed more like to me was that he was uh he didn't need to beat them up because he got the information that he needed. He wasn't or maybe he wasn't quite pushed to the final edge yet. But uh, that's I, I, I didn't to I didn't feel oh, any violence menace? from him other you didn't than feel any menace? No, other than yeah, no menace from him other than just wanting his pig. I mean, it's a very very s- simple um through line where he just wants the pig and it, it doesn't mean he's going to m- mow through a bunch of tweakers to get it um, because that's, that's not part of his makeup. I guess that, that, that scene is that, that I was okay with it after that. Yeah. I guess I, at that point I, I was wondering if he gets pushed further into, a, into violent acts or he's just calculating and when the violence is going to need to happen. I think when it does happen at the end, the, the method um, is pretty surprising and set up, I thought fairly well. Yeah. But that that leads Amir and Robin to Portland. And you know they're going into Portland because uh, they do a montage. And they did a great job digitally editing out all the fire and the constant riots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I would have liked to see a Multnomah County Library shot. Shout out. But, Woo. yeah. But, yeah, they do a little montage. They do uh, cross-fading to let you know that you're in Portland because the signs say Portland Autumn. And, and they, things if you, they did if you, not show the stupid made in Oregon sign. Yeah, they I was like, show that. when they when they got to that little montage, I was, I, I was uh-huh. thinking if 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 they show this sign, then I'm out. But they didn't. They said, okay, I'm still in. I was like, my ha- my hands are on the armrest. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna stand up and leave if they show that fucking sign. <laughs> and they didn't. And then I was like, okay. Calm well, down, I think man. at that point they lost the guy in the front of my audience who just decided to go to sleep. I think that's <laughs> probably what he was waiting to see. Um, <laughs> Uh, so we go to, uh, we, we park outside of some food carts and, uh, Robin doesn't have any money on him. So he asks Amir for 10 bucks. 
and he'll use that 10 bucks to buy something. I didn't even really see what it was, but take it into somebody like, uh, in good. the back of what was it do you think i think i think it was some sort of macaroni yeah I, he goes and sees um edgar his name is edgar right not edgar wright edgar. Same edgar wright <laughs> edgar comma r-i-g-h-d Question last night in soho that's the other movie that's coming out in october oh yeah that looks good that looks pretty good yeah and the sparks documentary looks pretty good too and the guy the doesn't want to help robin out what oh what? yeah the sparks oh. the sparks documentary is already out oh yeah I'm, I'm, i'll probably wait for it to stream Anyway. Um, yeah, uh, Cage le- doesn't get what he wants, leaves, and uh, Edgar Wright asks <laughs> Amir, uh, do you even know who he is? And that's just left looming. Yeah. And so Cage gets back in the car and asks what time it is, because he doesn't have a watch. And he says that they need to go somewhere at midnight. They go into the back of a uh, restaurant at midnight, and... He says he's going to go to the Hotel Portland. And Amir's like, there's no such place. And we're inside of a restaurant right now. Like, where are we going? And they go back to the kitchen. And Cage is looking around for something. And Amir's like, I need to know what, what's going on. How are we going to find your pig? Uh, Cage is letting Amir, is using leverage over Amir. Because apparently truffles are really valuable in Portland. And right. uh, has funded Amir's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's this able is... to own watches and phones and a yeah. red Camaro. This is the point in the movie, I think, where it turns from, man, I live in Portland and I do not think there's an underground network of people getting rich off selling truffles, to the point where you realize, oh, they're going under Pioneer Square, right? Yeah. To a culinary homeless people fight club. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, this is something that is playing off the Shanghai tunnels and stuff that doesn't really exist. So I think that point I kind of realized that this does not take place in reality at all. I really, I thought I was watching a documentary up until this point, uh-huh. really. Uh, but I, re- I quite liked this stuff, and I almost wish there was more of it, but I think uh, it's probably the most interesting scene to me. Huh. Yeah, well, he... Well, um, yeah. I'm, so, I mean, I'm not sure what the whole deal is with the uh, restaurant workers who gather in a former hotel <laughs> and pay money to <laughs> see people beat up other people. <laughs> but it's great, right? Yeah. I think if they tried to explain it more, if they went into it more, it wouldn't make any sense. The and whole it, thing and it kind of makes sense if you've ever done service industry work. If you were somebody on the bottom scale and you could pay to beat up somebody who represents your boss. Uh, there probably would be a, a big line of people wanting to do yeah, that. Yeah, but how could you, if you're on the bottom scale, afford to be able to be like to outbid higher rate people? I guess, yeah, I, I it seemed like they were all like, uh, it reminded me of Game Night, which I watched again recently uh, with Rachel Adams and Jason Bateman. Funny movie. I'm sorry, Rachel McAdams. Um, and there's a character in that. Uh, Played by Billy uh, Magnuson, uh, the guy from Bridge of Spies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he plays yeah. like this dumb blonde guy uh, who's convinced that rich we people have fight guys. clubs. <laughs> and I, that's what I, my sense was, is that re- restaurateurs kind of have this alternate uh, economy in Portland. They're running the show. They're, they're not mobbed up, but just kind of powerhouses themselves. And they pay money to be able to beat 
other up other people. So what happens is you put your hands behind your back. Somebody, whoever wins the bid, gets to wail on you for a minute. And if you last that full minute, like you get the money, is what it seems like. Yeah. Or, so or 20%. Uh, Cage goes in and writes his full <laughs> name down. Oh, Ten thousand uh, dollars. Writes his full name in, and uh, the bidding starts. And this little guy is like a jockey almost wins, and he he wails on Cage for a while. The guy who's the arbiter of all this, and the reason that they're there, it's the same guy we saw hours earlier in the in film time. Edgar, Edgar, who runs it, uh, who might know something but isn't going to tell Cage. And so uh, Edgar lets the clock expire and lets this guy hit him, uh, hit Cage's character a few more times. People think they might be dead, but then he breathes, and so everybody's cool. And uh, he goes. Robin gets a note from Edgar, which says something, a restaurant name or some type of information that's needed to move the plot along. Yeah. Um, so at this point, uh, Cage hasn't retaliated against anybody and has been brutally beaten up twice in, a, in the span of what seems like a few days at most. Yes. Yeah, very compressed timeline on this movie. Um, and because he's... Uh, all messed up and they're on the hunt for what seems like the main in- source of income for Amir. Wild Mushroom Tart Part 1 concludes at Amir's uh, quaint pearl condo where Cage is given some frozen peas or something that, that I like to help with the swelling. On his face. Because he just got on the shit kicked out of him. By a oh yeah, yeah, it's swelling on his face. Uh, 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 is this the point where amir talks about his his parents when he was a kid and how they well that would be that would be that would actually be in the second course uh part two mom's french toast and deconstructed scallops yeah that's when he he tells his little story it just makes me cringe just those title cards they suck his mom and dad fought a lot, and they always had. Yeah, and his mom committed suicide, right? At which point, Cage starts snoring really loudly, and I'm and I'm like, this is horrible. And then you realize that, oh no, it's a guy up front who's <laughs> fallen asleep, and he's been snoring, and that's not Cage who's fallen asleep. But Cage is giving him a performance that has no real reaction to what Amir is saying, right? Yeah, this so isn't like nobody with Bob Odenkirk, where every time he tries to tell someone his backstory, they just die. <laughs> good movie, by the way. Yeah, really good. But yeah, Amir's mom's committed suicide. The parents were somewhat estranged, and uh, but they they always fought. They had these date nights, but there was this one meal that just couldn't quit talking about. And it helps, like, it gives a sense of, like, this transformative power of food, maybe. And why maybe Amir went into the business that he did and why he's looking out for Cage, um, who uh, will learn is a chef or was a chef. And then Cage replies with, uh, kind of, like, wakes up because he's maybe concussed, but also just doesn't seem all that interested in what Amir has to say. He's kind of dead inside. And he talks about the subduction zone and how there's going to be an earthquake. Such a good scene. Nothing really matters. <laughs> and Amira's like, well, I'll go up on top of Mount Hood. And then Cage is like, no, that's where the tsunami's going to hit. No, he said that's an active volcano. Oh, that's, yeah. that's right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that that scene, his reaction to Amir talking about the meal that Cage made his parents the only time he saw him happy 
uh, and his reaction that you just said. And then the scene later with um, the chef that, that he fired yeah. years ago. Uh, those are the two scenes where Cage has almost uh, a monologue yeah. to both of them. Yeah. Um, and probably two of my favorite scenes of the movie. Yeah, I think the one where he's talking about the, the tsunami and the earthquake is going to be... Um, that would be the, the Oscar scene that they show. Oh, you don't think the uh, the chef scene where he's saying none of this is real? I thought I thought that was that was the maybe, Oscar scene. Maybe. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, great performance basically, and I some really good that, dialogue. I thought you, we were going to say that that's the scene that our listener uh, recall calls Beverly and then has flashbacks to as they're listening to this on their Zoom. <laughs> and yes. post apocalypse. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Cage wants to go uh, get a uh, lunch reservation at Eurydice's, which is that restaurant uh, we, we just mentioned. Uh, through some type of like, I don't know. I, I didn't really. Th- there was like a, some needless bit of business with him trying to talk a guy into this and guy who's shop. like this guy's yeah. shoving meat around. Um, I mean, like slabs of meat. Yeah. Um, and he's trying to turn his way into getting a reservation into the, the hottest spot in town. And it, it doesn't really and amount. It, it, I think it sh- the, the movie is about Cage, but it, a, a big chunk of the movie is also about Amir and his story. And when we see him, how he presents himself, and then we see him in these instances, and he's not how he presents himself. No. We kind of yeah. see him as he, the, like the little, the, uh, he's almost like a little kid who's, trying, who's, who's trying to dress up. He's like almost dad. the Robin of this dynamic. Love it. Thank you. High five. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, like he, I guess he gets, as I'm thinking about it, he gets almost as much screen time as Cage. Um, whenever they're not together. Yeah. He has because more Cage story, too. This, I think this is his, the part where Cage takes off and goes to his old house, right? Yeah, I like that scene, that, too, when he has that little that little kid scene. That was really... Yeah, but it's really unnecessary, right? Like, he talks about, like, some persimmons <laughs> trees that's not there, and the kid's playing a hand pan, which I guess is a really <laughs> expensive instrument, but it's a percussion instrument. That sounds like something a little kid in Portland would be playing before before the riots. Yeah, <laughs> but that seems like a hipster. But, kid. but also, also, if you're a small kid and somebody looks like Cage with a bloody face, smelling like him, shows up on your back porch, don't I mean be kind, but don't like invite him in your house or whatever, right? Like, just be um, a little scared. Be a that little... is like half the people in Portland, though. Yeah, I I I love the I mean, little kid. His performance. Does your face hurt? Yeah. It's adorable. Whoa. The little kid joining us here live in the studio. <laughs> I don't know. It just reminded me of the Bashimi, uh, Bashimi, um, Con Air. Oh, uh, right. Like the little kid. It's like, where are you? Where are your parents? Why are you talking to this guy? Be, be a little scared. Have a little yeah. self-preservation. Well, Maybe. his his parents were in the living room uh, working on their Etsy account. <laughs> shipping some bullshit yeah. musical instrument to Massachusetts. Who knows? I don't know how people in Portland make money. Well, they have they have well, jobs where they sit on bean bags and stuff <laughs> in like really cool offices. This is before the before the riot. Before the riot. Yeah. Before times. Well, I mean, that sounds a little bit like. Um, I mean, with that with that. Uh, maligning of great portland culture like i can understand why you might cheer at eurydice's whenever uh uh cage breaks down the chef 
Oh, the, they you know, in, the, right? so they do like a hard cut, right? And all of a sudden you see a woman talking. And I, yeah. I thought we were like in all of a sudden like in a Scientology movie. Like they I thought we were in a Portlandia skit. <laughs> the presentation of the food seemed like it was straight out of Portlandia, but that's not a bad thing, I guess. Early Portlandia. Yeah, she's talking about how it's like life altering and earth and water. And yeah, it's pretty over the top. For. I think that's what they're going for, though. Yeah. Satire? Yeah. Make fun of Portland. Get behind that. Yeah. Throw a few punches at that dumb city. I don't <laughs> know. That's all right. They'll, they'll say something about Seattle later in the film. Yes. Uh, which I don't know if everybody stood up and cheered in your audience, but uh, <laughs> people just kind of rolled their eyes and ours. And I was looking at people's eyes. I don't normally look at the screen whenever I watch the film <laughs> for the first time. I watch the audience reaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's the main chef there at this uh, like kind of gastropub uh, is Derek. And he shows, the, the Cage asks to talk to the chef. No one knows who he is. He looks like a, uh, I don't know, maybe a homeless person. Definitely somebody with a large head wound. He probably <laughs> yeah, smells just awful. just came from bum fights. Yes. And Derek shows up and he like says hello and he talks a little bit about the concept maybe of the of the restaurant, which Cage kind of laughs at uh, or demeans by saying concept. But then like Derek looks at him and says, do you need medical attention <laughs> before he recognizes who he is? And, and I think things like that in the fight club scene um, make me feel like I'm not in reality. Right. And I think that's mm-hmm. why I kept thinking that there was going to be a John Wick moment is because up until after up until we get to. Uh, part three that this next part there's just so much suspension of disbelief for different portions of it right that I, it could have easily turned into a different movie it could have turned into Mandy. he could have started uh, making that axe yeah <laughs> yeah looking around for the slayer right so when he breaks down the the chef and his dreams and his earlier ideas of some sort of notion of uh the movie's version of artistic purity and then selling out to make this bullshit food. Um, the guy's face is borderline too much uh, as he's trying to have that fake smile. But as the camera goes in on cage and he continues breaking down, none of this being real. If none of this is real, why aren't you doing what you want? Um, one part, that's part of the one part of the movie where cages performance. I felt that particular scene was so good. Um, I, I got chills. That's the only scene in the movie. I kind of got chills, but he is so great and so effective in something that in different hands could have just been yeah. kind of silly. Yeah. Uh, great scene though. Yeah. Cage. I agree. Yeah. He just has this gravitas to him, but also there, there's like a slight hint of kindness somehow in it as well. <laughs> and they're there to try and find his pig. That part, I guess, we'll talk about a little bit later if if it's successful or not. But somehow from that, we find out that Darius, who's Amir's dad, uh, was responsible. Which, raise your hand hand if you you didn't see that coming. Oh, Watson, our mascot, just raised his paw. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, Well, it it wasn't really made for him. No. Well, Well, he he is is kind of like like a a pig. He makes the same noises. Yeah. He's digging in the dirt, too. Yeah. Maybe we should train him to sniff out truffles. He's got a big nose. He can do it. We could sell them to people in Portland. Portland. Who are trying to learn about classical music. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's where the non-car accident happens, because Cage says, oh, he has a sense that Amir sold him out, or at least Amir didn't keep his secret that they had somewhere prior to the start of the film. Yeah. 
and he kicks uh, Mira's car, dents it, and takes off. It starts raining, and Cage steals the bike. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Amir uh, goes and visits his mom. Who isn't dead, after all. Who, yeah, isn't well, she's dead. she's a vegetable. Though, yeah. Um, Cage rides the bike over to Adam Arkin, uh, Darius's uh, house, who's, like, waiting for him, maybe. He's, like, up on a balcony looking out and sees Cage come up. Um, and they have a conversation. And Darius is basically saying, uh, I own everything and I can own you. And how about I give you however much money you want for that pig? And we'll call it good. And Cage asks him, uh, tries to pull out like a, uh, a Trump card and says something about Amir's wife. Like, were you like this before she died? And Amir looks at him and says, were you? Implying Cage's wife. Pretty good right. punchback. Yeah. Um, so uh, Cage leaves, seemingly defeated. Amir's waiting for him, though, uh, outside outside the house. And Cage lets Amir know that he didn't need the pig to find truffles. He just loved her. Oh. And I think this is like the turning point for the movie for me, where I feel like it's another movie. And I like the second movie better that we're approaching. Yeah. And that's where they, for some reason, say, fuck Seattle. And Cage is inspired and decides to, he asks for a pen. Amir gives him his phone, creates a list of ingredients. And he's well, sitting it's, it's a Amir list off. of stuff. We don't know that it's ingredients until all the stuff is gathered. Because I was like, well, he, he's going to build a, a Rube Goldberg type revenge machine. <laughs> at well, market. I didn't know I, what it would, but then, you know, it all, once you see its food, you go, okay, I know where this is going. Yeah. And it's pretty good. Well, the supplies. When he's, when he's, yeah, the Anarchist Cookbook is just the Antifa Cookbook, which is <laughs> just the Portland Cookbook that he asked for. <laughs> you just have to translate that a little bit. Right. You were saying, Jack? Oh, no. Go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, so then going. we get into part three a bird, a bottle, and a uh, salted baguette. Dumb, so is that when he goes stupid. to his, his old restaurant, which is now a bakery from somebody that used to work for him? Oh, that's such a great scene. Yeah. Um, she and, has the and salted meanwhile, baguette. Mm-hmm. And he touches a bunch of pastries and then just put, he takes one for himself and one for a mirror. <laughs> but he picks one up and then sets it down. And I'm like, dude, you can't. With his, his fingerless hands gloves. are not so, so great bit of business by yeah. Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Yeah. That probably wasn't in the script. Yeah, Very but funny, you know that he's discerning, right? And he wouldn't want the one. Like, if, yeah, throw that he one got, away. He got the good he ones. Has, he got the good ones. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Amir's out getting some wine from a mausoleum. And I don't know if this is the first time we hear Lori's name or not, but uh, Amir learns, if he hasn't already, that Cage's wife is dead. Yeah, which and, is. And um, Cage is leaving. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the film. <laughs> uh yeah oh but i love cage's reaction whenever the baker goes to hug him like she 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 hugs him but cage doesn't there's a bit of he has this reaction that both simultaneously like is a reaction to what's going on and not yeah like he doesn't move his hands up a little bit like he might consider hugging her but there's something in the way that he's holding his body that makes you think that there's or at least for me watching it that he, for a moment, he he understands like why she needs to hug him, and he would want to hug her back if he was in a different spot. Yeah, he, yeah, he's just 
hasn't been around human beings since his wife passed away. Which 10, I guess leads to ago. like, who do you think Cage was? Be uh, the character was prior to um, his wife dying. Because we'll find out from at the very end the tape that he he was a little demanding or uh, critical whenever he would go out to eat. Uh, he fires the paste. He fires the chef of uh, the restaurant. Um, you read it. You read yes. to see uh, for overcooking for, the pasta. For overcooking the pasta after he worked from for two months, but he also learns what that guy wanted to really do with his life, which was become a uh, own a pub, a British pub. Yeah. So it seems like people maybe opened up to him, but also people didn't like him very much. Like we find out from uh, Edgar Wright. <laughs> uh, like he burned some bridges leaving at least. Right. Yeah. Well, he just up up and left because the, the lady who owns the shop that apparently used to be his restaurant, she said she had it held it open as long as she could. And then she's always been a baker. So she changed it to a bakery. So oh, okay. you really get the sense that he just he just dropped off and um well now uh the ingredients have been gathered Amir's picking him up and they I guess the next night are breaking without alerting the dad to his house and cook a meal without him noticing It's a big and, it's a big house. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll give because, him that. Because he's able to hear Amir outside his door remember Amir like just barely I, whispers something. I got the sense that he knew they were there and was just putting off having to talk to them as long and as he I, could. And I thought that when he was talking to the door, that his dad couldn't hear him. It was the same thing he did earlier, talking to the door to his mom, even though she obviously couldn't hear him through a closed door. Um, kind of showing he was... He, I mean, his character is basically a little kid uh, trying to live up to his dad. Um and he has a lot of uh, mother and father issues. And then he finally opens the door and he says the same thing. And then that leads to the. The meal, um, which the meal, uh, the, yeah, the shots of them cooking are, are, are nice. They don't, they're not um, food porn. <laughs> like they don't go on for too long. Yes. Uh, uh, which they could have easily gone the wrong direction. Uh, they, they sit down there. No one's really talking. No one's really uh, digging into things. Um the dad looks at the wine bottle. Uh, Cage to the uh, mirror picked it out, which doesn't seem like it's true because the mausoleum woman gave it to him. Uh, it was on the list, but anyhow, uh, they're not eating. Cage starts digging in, and he does this gesture, like he says so little, and it does so much just through gesture uh, that gets them to to start eating. Where he's just like kind of he, he does something with his hand, where he's like, "Hurry up or dig in or something," and the dad starts to eat. And he starts to weep. And as a cineast, you realize, having watched films before, that it's the same meal that he and his wife had had all those many years ago, over 15 years ago, that caused him, that he, he raved about for so long. Right. And we go to a study, and this is like what the, still at this time, I'm wondering, like, maybe that he poisoned the food, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something more that's going to go on. But no, it's the meal itself. And the dad has the recall of the meal. And then we learn that Cage has a photographic memory. And he remembers every meal that he's ever cooked, every person he's ever served. And he recreate, he knew how to recreate the meal that they had had that night, which has the dad let uh, Cage know that the pig died. That the tweakers 
took the pig and they were a little too rough on it and it's dead. Which causes the Oscar moment of Cage dropping in kind of slow it's, motion. It's pretty cool because the, the camera follows him to the ground. It's, uh, it's a pretty clever uh, shot. I don't know. I thought this that whole bit was pretty disappointing. I mean, hey, I was here for the, the movie. I watched the whole thing about a guy trying to find a pig. And at the end, the guy that took the pig says, oh, sorry, it died. And then he has a bit of a cry. And then basically after that, the movie's over. Well, No, uh, it's not yet. So, I know it's not over, so but the, the, that's... So the reveal that the pig has been dead the entire story... No, um, that's dumb. I've, I've read a lot of mysteries, and I've written a few. And the bit where whoever is being looked for has been dead the entire time is not something I'm a big fan of. So I was equally not a big fan of this plot twist. But I went with it because it's the end of the movie. And Well, I um, think that what sells it for me is they go after uh, Mir takes cage is taking cage back to his hut not the condo uh, but cage's hut um robin's hut and they stop at a diner that doesn't have pie but so they get brownies and they start it's to the talk. same diner it's the same diner he walks in um when he first comes out of the woods so it's kind of like his um river sticks boat in and out of his his shack life and it's the same and, waitress too oh is it yeah Good eye. Um, the uh, Amir asks uh, Robin, um, "What are you thinking about?" I guess. I mean, I guess if anybody's silent, they're thinking about something. That means that he's constantly thinking. I don't know, but he's asking, like, "What are you thinking about?" He's trying to get him to open up, and uh, Robin says that he realized that uh, if he had not tried to get his pig back, he would still believe that she was still alive. Yeah, and That's then Amir says, "But she wouldn't be." Not really. And that is Cage's problem with his wife, right? Like, uh, he's finally able to accept at the end, not just the pig is dead, but his wife's dead. Mm -hmm. Um, So he goes back to his cabin and he listens to his wife's tape, which is an audio journal for his birthday. And that's where we learn that, like, uh, she thinks it's kind of charming that he uh, is so critical of the food that they're going to go out to eat. And she sings uh, her rendition of, I think it was I'm on Fire, but I didn't. Yeah, the I wasn't Bruce Springsteen song. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's the end of the film. Well, he's sitting there listening to it. And then um, the the last shot of the movie is is he has a bit of overhead light. As the lights have been off the entire movie. And he looks up and it's, it's almost... Um, almost a halo effect on his head and then the the movie ends so he finally accepts something finally some light let in there 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 isn't enough uh i i just feel like that isn't enough to constitute a movie i think what you said earlier about this being a short story is really good but i think actually after talking it over i like this movie a lot less because a thing of a character needing to accept something then by the end they do is I wouldn't even say that's technically interesting. That's just like the bare minimum of storytelling of a character arc. That's like the bare minimum. And I think Cage really makes this character a lot better, and his performance is really great, and a lot of the dialogue's really good. But for a thing where a guy looks for a pig, and then he finds out it's dead, and then he's like, oh, I guess my wife is dead too. That sucks. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to watch that. Like, I don't give a fuck. I I didn't really like it that much. Sorry, guys. That's okay. Now that Not a big fan. Those, well, now that you encapsulate it like that, I think I like it more, Jack. 
I, hey, look, I think it's kind of unfair if we want to talk about it just as a movie now um, to compare, like, to have this movie follow Raising Arizona and Mandy, mm-hmm. where we just we put those two uh, towards the end and uh, talked about both the uh, freshman and sophomore films by the Coen Brothers and uh, Paros Cosmatos, uh, which are directors I think we all we all three like a lot and respect. Yeah. Uh, so it is interesting to think about this as a, uh, as compared to Blood Simple, or mm. as compared to Beyond the Black Rainbow. And yeah. in that regard, like I, I, it's not as good of a of a film. Um, but what's really fascinating is I think the reason that we could be told that this is going to be a John Wick with a pig. Mm-hmm. Is that we're expecting a cage freakout throughout it, and we don't get anything like that. Cage never strikes anybody in violence. He de- he never uh, rages. He never screams. Aside from that one brief like bark at uh, somebody as he's stealing the bike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like there's no freakout moments in this. Well, he does wail on uh, Amir's car for a little bit. Yeah, but it's not like he's not like screaming maniacally when he's doing it. Yeah. This is definitely a really restrained performance. Uh, So it's kind of weird looking at Cage's career, uh, especially the last 10, 12 years since that last Disney movie he made, where he's been making all these uh, direct-to-video cameos, weird title movies, um, that this movie coming after Mandy, which I think Mandy, we could all agree, kind of reintroduced him into the public sphere. Yeah. Um, making this movie kind of like a lot of people are calling like Nicholas Cage's returning to serious dramatic work or, or whatever people are saying, but a, a similar movie, Joe, which, which I think I like Joe a little more the further we get away from it. Same. Um, that movie was right in the middle of all that stuff and really got lost. So uh, the people who made pig are, are fortunate to kind of be riding that weird wave that Cage has had the last five years. Yeah. Because uh, this movie definitely, if it was in the middle of all that other stuff and Mandy didn't exist, then this movie would just be direct to video and we'd have to hunt it down. <laughs> we'd have to, we'd have to <laughs> dig around for it. Yeah. Root around in the dirt. Uh, but Cage's yeah. performance in this movie is um, pretty great, I think. It's excellent. Yeah. I wonder, like, comparing it to. Uh, Joe, I mean, Joe definitely has more of what I would call a classical cage performance where he does go out and get the revenge at the end. Yeah. Uh, and I think Joe was a lot harder to watch as was, uh, Mandy as far as I, I didn't, uh, Mandy wasn't a wide release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unlike this. So I think that this has great opportunity for people to, uh, maybe who only know of, um, Cage from uh, gifts of uh, from the Wicker Man, right? To see a different different side of him. Like this is like I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's a great movie for Cage. Yeah, it, and, it's one of my favorite and I don't think, performances. And I don't know if it was written. I don't think it was written for him. And I think that it is all the better for not having been written with maybe him in mind. Again, it almost seems like it was written for a guy about. 10 years younger um just like when we watched mandy um i mean cage is great in them but it is interesting he's playing characters that 
or feel like they're written for somebody younger. Yeah. Johnny Blaze, another example. <laughs> um, so those are I the roles he gets though. Yeah. I, I, um, ultimately like this movie, I don't know. Um, if it's, if it's a very good movie. Um, I, I like I said, I like the second half a little bit better. It has a lot of things that like, I remember that blog, like, uh, things white people like, it seems like the, the <laughs> camping and food carts and pig pets and gastropubs and classical music and fight clubs, maybe. I don't know. It just seems like uh, it's a, a very Portland movie. Uh, it's, it is with a such... double dead wife story. Like not only does one person have a dead wife, but there's two dead wives. Well, like, one of them's I... not technically dead. Well, sure, sure. But I mean, well, like I said, it all depends, right? Because at the end of bringing out the dead, like, uh, Patricia Arquette's dad, dad is considered dead, except for he's, the machine's breathing for him, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think we, we've uh, discussed this, but the, the tone and the look of this movie is extremely somber, extremely mm-hmm. gray, extremely sad. Um, I think Alex Wolf is has the energy and cage allows him to have the energy and he plays kind of almost a straight man uh to give it a a little bit of pep in some of the early scenes but this is a a very somber movie and it's not um, a summer blockbuster you go for a roller coaster ride and even if you want a um, a great drama that takes you through a bunch of different emotions maybe not even that because its tone is is pretty consistent throughout it, you might say it's pretty flat. So if you're if you're rooting around for more highs and lows, then watch <laughs> High and Low by Kurosawa. Go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you if it, either of you, as far as like what was at stake at some point um, towards like after uh, Cage realizes uh, meets back up with Amir outside of Amir's dad's house uh, that he might and he's asking for the instructions or the I'm sorry he's asking for all the ingredients making a list. Do you did you think that like uh, he would have to go back to being a chef and that was Amir's dad's plot was to like force him to be a chef again or he had to go back to being a chef in order to save his pig somehow like to raise awareness like mm. I. The stakes of this, I think what I like this is when I realized the stakes of this were not going to be um, a revenge film in the typical sense. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't really thinking about that all that much. I was just hoping that, I don't I mean, I wasn't hoping that he would, you know, I wasn't hoping for a John Wick, but I, I, do, I, I don't know. Thinking about it now, there is in the trailer, like, because I, I get a lot of targeted ads for this because uh, the internet knows I'm a big Nick Cage fan. But in, in the trailers, they're all edited in this way where it's like it shows the fighting and then it shows someone saying uh, uh, in voiceover, he's not a guy you want to mess with. And I think it's <laughs> it's very selectively edited to make this look like Taken. Hey, yeah, yeah, um, I don't know. I mean... Bacon, you said? <laughs> <laughs> What, what, what? I was, did you have some? Yeah, I have. Oh, I thought you didn't have a phone. No, no, I have, I have my, uh, my old phone. Okay. That I, well, okay, so one of my, one of my favorite Korean movies, old phone. Yes. Classic. Um, 
last uh, episode for Mandy, um, our guest Ryan asked if they desex the actress who played Mandy. Yeah. By, like, do you think they did the same thing for the pig? <laughs> no, they glam that fucker up. Yeah. That was a cute pig. Apparently, uh, an asshole I like, off, I like, off screen. I like the cage yeah. says, like, defensively as he's Brandon. trying to break <laughs> into the, uh, move the stuff around for the entrance to the fight club. Uh, like, uh, I don't fuck my pig. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that was something they um, he asked for them to add, if it was in the original script or not. Right. You um, never know. There was, I think there were things that they, they were smart about and they didn't do. Like, they didn't have a big exposition dump in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could have been dumb with Amir using his device to look Cage up. Like, who is this Robin guy? Or <laughs> uh, hmm. learn that, like, his wife had bought the pig because she was dying of, like, brain cancer from cell phones. <laughs> because we know that 5G is the plague <laughs> and the reason for coronavirus. Um or like a car wreck or some type of food poisoning. And so that the pig is more directly tied to uh, the wife's memory. Like we don't know how that pig came about 15 years ago or since 15 years hence since Cage went off into the forest. So, yeah, I think that that like there was a lot of things that they don't do, which makes it better. But the whole this whole the, the whole plot of the movie is based off of a magical uh, the premise of like this meal. And I think I can buy that, right? Like there's a conceit for that somebody had this meal, which was so good. They just kept talking about it. And then 15 years later, they would remember it being the dad. And so I could take that. But then when you add in like the fight club stuff and all the other pieces to try and get us to that, it, I think it, it kind of crumples as a film. Yeah, I disagree with that completely. But it makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, I like the fight club stuff the most. Uh, and, um, I, know, I probably like the rest of it a little more than, than you all, but. Well, you're wrong, so. Well, I kept thinking if somebody took my dog. That's the thing is like, if somebody took Watson and then I found them and then they're like, he died when we were transporting him, I wouldn't just drop to the floor and have a bit of a cry and then go home. That's so fucking ridiculous. Like no one would do that. Right? He kind of suspected the whole time. Yeah, whatever. I think being told your worst fears is true. Well, my worst fear is clowns and spiders and other scary things, so those aren't real, luckily. Yeah, lucky you. Uh, should we move on to Google reviews? What do you think, I would Thomas? love to. Yeah, let's, let's get some Google reviews in here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Charlotte S. gives it five stars and says... Sorry, gotta turn up my brightness here. <laughs> that was the review. Just kidding. Five stars. Uh, Pig 2020 is the next Citizen Kane. It came out in 2021. Not Citizen Kane. Pig. <laughs> it's an absolutely brilliant piece of entertainment that I will show to everyone in my life like it's a pyramid scheme. And once I've finished showing my friends, family, co-workers, boss, and neighbors, I will show it to my offspring, which I will have specifically for, which I will have specifically for the purpose of showing this incredible crafted film. She like it. <laughs> uh, Thighs Van Der Mirror gives it f- five stars and says, I'm not a person for drama films, but this was a great movie. I would highly recommend watching this with your girlfriend or wife. <laughs> um, but not both okay. at the same time. 
Uh, G. Van Johnson, MD, that's right, uh, gives it one star, very slow storyline, getting used to the Nicolas Cage being disappointing. Uh, the review of 7.2 for this movie is just a scam. Edgar Box give it, gives it four stars and says, a delicious treat, highly recommended. That is Edgar from the film talking about the food that he got in the box. Wow, it's meta. Yeah. Uh, Ali Hicks gives it one star. My friend texted me, uh, texted the good morning and said it was the worst movie she's ever seen. Don't know what that means. Her friend didn't like it. Uh, Geo Turner gives it five stars. Can't wait to see this. Animal lovers, namaste. James Kwan gives it two stars. Portland is a dreary city. This movie is the same way. It was a jury city now. It's just rubble. Yep. We call it Greater Vancouver now. Yes. (laughs) Gail Connor, one star. The pig is a better actor than Nicolas Cage. (gasps) Harsh. I gotta say, I kind of agree with that. The pig is really good. That's harsh. Yeah. Yeah, but the pig is just being a pig. It's not really acting. Oh, but so cute. Yeah. Well, so is Cage. Don't you just want to, like, scratch under his... (laughs) <laughs> I have no idea what would come out of that beard. Yeah, probably that uh, meal from 15 years ago. Yeah. Remnants of it. <laughs> uh, so here's a conundrum I had earlier. Uh, I got a text from uh, my friend Ricky out in New York, and she uh, um, was the reason I saw Vampire's Kiss and loves Cage and was really excited that Pig was coming out and has a ticket to go watch it. And I didn't know if I should let her know my feelings on the film or not. I'd say going cold with this one. You're going to love it or hate it either way, I think. Yeah. And then you could talk about it afterwards. On a podcast. Yeah. You could start a rival Nick Cage podcast. Yeah. Look, what you want to do is you want to have some children, right? And show them this film. And then you <laughs> get those children on your podcast. Yes. That's brilliant. Oh, um... A uh, friend of the podcast, um, my sister, who was on the Unforgiven episode famously, uh, wanted me to share that the film is Cottagecore AF. Uh, I'm not really sure what that means, but thank you, Annabelle. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to get out of her after seeing it, what she thought of it. Um, so I texted her what I thought about, like, my favorite scene was when he's dressing down that chef. And I had, like, this long text. And then her response was, Yeah. I like the movie. <laughs> that was it. Friend That's of all show. you need sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish we were all as, as succinct as Annabelle. Yeah. It would be a pretty short podcast. Buongiorno. We're here to talk about a Nicolas Cage. Whoa. An Italian chef just walked in. <laughs> oh, well, I thought it was the extras from the DVD of Moonstruck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have a Charlie Kaufman ending for this. Gosh. I mean, the obvious I've, one is the pig's not dead. I've got, Ooh. yeah. I I had I had two actually. Like one's not as good as the other one. So he wakes up uh, with his face sticky, right? So um, we see we get to the towards the end of the film, and all of a sudden, like it's a hard. Uh, it's the fourth title, and we see him wake up with his face sticky, and we're like, oh wait, we're back in the beginning of the film. This has all been kind of a dream. Then he goes into uh, Sandy to that restaurant. And he calls Amir, and we're starting to like see, but in faster time with editing, 
all a lot of the same scenes that we had seen before until we get to a mirror at the hospital. Then we see Cage arrive outside on his bike and he passes Vin Rames and John Goodman dressed like uh, medical staff in white. And he heads into the room and squeezes the air pipe that's feeding Amir's mom. So <laughs> she flatlines. And then he gets back on the bicycle and it lights up on fire and he becomes the spirit of vengeance. And he goes out to find the people who killed his wife somewhere in the forest. Sweet. That was one. The other one was, and the better one is he goes and he hits play on the boombox at the end and he hears these words when i die bury me deep lay two speakers at my feet put some headphones on my head and play the good the pod the ugly season four cajun cage to me when i'm dead all right all right oh i I have one real quick one okay the end movie is exactly the same you know he's listening to i'm on fire uh looks up um you know halo effect and everything and then it cuts to the uh tweaker and tweakette um, inside their little trailer, and um, they're, they're, there's no sound except for them eating, and we see that they're eating bacon. That's that's. <laughs> I don't like that. That's, that's really bad. It's yeah, really offensive. Sorry, Not funny. sorry. <laughs> uh, I think there's some potential up ahead for. I think. Um, we were discussing this off air, uh, Ken, but I think there's some potential for a nobody versus John Wick crossover. But after seeing Pig, I think there really is some potential for a nobody John Wick, Robin, team up Avengers style, looking for my dog, or looking for who killed my dog, looking for who killed my pig, and looking for who took my daughter's kitty cat bracelet. <laughs> kind of like the Avengers. Can we get Tony well, Jaa in there, who's looking oh, for the yes! people who took his elephant? Wait, is, did he quit being a monk? He's an yeah, actor he's, again? Isn't he an actor again? Uh, he might have gone back to being a monk, I don't know. I don't know. What about yeah, Liam Neeson's daughter? Oh, we can have Liam Neeson in there, too. Uh, that That's going to be, be one tall ever. cast. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So this is our second to last episode. Our our next episode is the last Cage Uncaged. It's going to be Willy's Wonderland and yes, and his career and our thoughts, our deep thoughts. So we're going to take a week off to be able to put all those thoughts together and come yeah, up so with come some up. fun stuff for that episode. Yes, fun stuff. It'll yes. be a fun episode. Be a good one. Yeah, Cage heads everywhere will gather around the fire. <laughs> In the cave at the end of time. Yeah. Well, it's an ice cave, so if you had a fire, it would just the ice would melt. Yeah, there'd, there'd be a lot of pots and pans because the ceiling keeps leaking. Oh, not, wait, wait, we not, fix that ceiling? <laughs> not if you were doing reverse entropy in an ice cave. Oh, the right. fire would actually help freeze it more. Oh, smart. There you go. Yeah, and that's at the end of time, which is also the beginning of time. But in the meantime, we should <laughs> thank the Howling Fantods. Yes, which we forgot to do last episode. Yes, but we had a member of the, the band on, on the show, yeah. which kind of makes up for it. Yeah. Anyway, the best theme song ever. Yeah. Um, uh, follow us on Instagram at The Good, The Pod, and The Ugly. Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. TikTok. We got TikTok, TikTok where, yes. where Jack uh, dances. Whatever. Um, Face mask. Uh, I used to have one of those. Where is that? You, you remember you made a so Jack like when you were what 13, 12? No, I was younger than that. Must he went like to uh, a summer art camp deal and 
they had. Oh yeah, they had us make these these bags, these pa- with our faces painted on them with some sort of pastels. And I made my Nicolas Cage, and they kept telling me I couldn't do it. <laughs> and I kept saying, "Well, no, I'm gonna make the hair longer here. I'm gonna change the eye color." <laughs> And all this, and they're like, okay. And I just kept making it look more like Nicolas Cage. They're like, no, you can't do that. But eventually, the day was over, so I got to just take it home. It's great. We should, uh, we should find it. And uh, I think it's send pro- it to John it Travolta. Still... Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> okay, that's um, it. Pig podcast over. Kind podcast of a dumb over. movie. I liked it, but hey, whatever. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks, guys. Um, Next week. Yep. No, two Epic. weeks from now. Two weeks. Epic. Two weeks. Yeah. All right. We're gonna hit stop. Let's go.